Welcome to another exciting episode of Patanjali Yoga Sutra Commentaries by respected Dr. Chinmay Pandya. Each episode delves deep into a selected set of sutras, so be sure to follow along and remember to revisit any episode you may have missed. We hope you enjoy and do stay connected with DSVV by following our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter pages using the handle at DSVVOfficial. Pranam to everyone from Deva Sanskriti Vishwavidyalaya, Shanti Kunj Haridwar. We are in the middle of the discussions of the Patanjali's Yoga Sutra and started discussing the Samadhipada, the first chapter of these most wonderful, immaculately written spiritual scriptures of India, Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. But before we go deeper into the discussion, let us start with the recitation of the Gayatri Mantra. And we start every session with the mantra of Gayatri because Gayatri is the deity, the power that is responsible to allow one to take the righteous path. And if anyone is walking on the path of spirituality, if anyone endeavors to go to the last possible frontier of the human consciousness, then this adventure can never be completed without taking the path of righteousness, dharma, nyaya, satya, sadachar as we call it in Sanskrit. And that path of sadhagyan, because knowledge is easy, you can get it from Google and Wikipedia. Getting the wisdom requires going deeper into oneself. And that path, the path of sadhagyan, sadhkarma, sadbhav, can only be available if we can follow the path of Gayatri. So let us recite the Gayatri Mantra to help us remember that path which is right, righteous and is available for anyone to take. Gayatri Mantra together. Om Bhur Bhuva Swa Tatsavetorvarenyam Bhargo Devasya Dhemahe Dheyo Yonaha Prachodaya Welcome everyone uh, through this medium that we are connecting and we are connecting to discuss the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. Very long time ago, this great man called Patanjali started actually to think about that how the impurities of human personality can be rectified, how we could nullify them. And there are mainly three sources through which the karma gets accumulated or the sanskars get accumulated and they need purification. One is in the body, sharir, and they are accumulated in the nadis of the sharir. And for their purification, that in Sanskrit we call as the mala, the purification of the doshas are required. There are three doshas that Ayurveda talks about 
बात पित तनकफ एंड बैलेंसिंग दैम इज़ द आर्ट एंड साइंस ऑफ आयुर्वेद सो पातंजलि रोट ए टेक्स्ट अबाउट द आयुर्वेद देन ही ऑल्सो टॉक्ड अबाउट द प्यूरिफिकेशन ऑफ स्पीच दैट हाउ द शब्द द वाणी वाक एज वी कॉल इट दैट कैन बी प्यूरिफाइड एंड फॉर दैट ही रोट ए कंपेंडियम फॉर व्याकरण and then ultimately for the purification of chitta from where the sanskars our behavior our thoughts our emotions our impulses our urges conflicts confusions everything is emerging which is otherwise creating our personality that also requires to be purified without that purification nothing is possible so everything else becomes futile and purposeless if you haven't purified your chitta and that purification of the chitta is the path of the yoga that he has written as the yoga sutra that's why the famous verse comes yogena chittasya padena vacham malam sharirasya ch vaidyakena that patanjali who wrote this text he wrote about the purification of all of them patanjali pranjalira natosme it says that you pay the homage to that patanjali and he wrote this wonderful scripture yoga sutra which are divided into four different chapters samadhi pad sadhan pad vibhuti pad and kavalya pad samadhi pad starts by telling everyone that we are starting the yoga uh, sutra by discussing the yoga as a discipline and it requires to be put together as a discipline because many people have talked about it and the spiritual understanding behind it is that yoga is that discipline that brings discipline to one's life my mind is fragmented and fractured my personality is broken into pieces if it is going everywhere if my thoughts are going in one direction emotions are going in another directions my actions are going in three different directions I, my energy can never be available to accomplish anything significantly and purposefully for it to be accomplished for a sensible purpose purpose for a fruitful objective to reach to a point where something demonstrable could happen i need to put an integration of my efforts so that my personality is holistic it is not broken into different dimensions and that kind of discipline can be accomplished with the help of yoga so he starts by that then he gives the definition of yoga chitta vritti nirodha then he talks about what are vrittis and how you can nullify them he talks about different disciplines abhyas and vairagya and after that he talks about the different kinds of samadhi sampragyat asampragyat and again divides the asampragyat into two viram pratyay bhav pratyay that how you reach there then comes the question that is this the only way is this the only way to reach there he says no there are other ways also and then he defines them as shraddha virya smriti samadhi pragya purvak itaresham other people also reach there but they reach by following this path where faith is followed by vigor vigor is followed by memory and memory does not mean that memorizing that what you had in the breakfast but memorizing that what you were actually born to be remembering what you truly are remembering the essential foundation of the human existence is our root and remembering that and then following the path of dharma med and vivek khyati samadhi one also reaches there and he says in that the 
gradation like stepwise approach depends upon the intensity with which you do the practice. Tivra samveganam asana. He says that those reach faster who are able to do this practice with much greater intent and greater force. And in that also there is a subclassification as per Patanjali, he says Mridu Madhya Dhimatratva Tatope Vishesha. In that there is also, Vishesha means distinction, that there is also a distinction of the approach. Some people are of course working harder, but they are working mildly harder, some are working moderately harder, some are working intensely harder and depending upon how intense your practice is, you are able to reach there faster. And I gave the example uh, yesterday that for one to understand that how that gradation is different. Think about any world level sport, you have got so many people who are playing soccer as a hobby or cricket as a hobby for example, I do not know whether you know cricket as a sport, but it is a uh, sport that uh, unites India in some ways, it is the national sport of India. So, so many people are playing and so many clubs are there, so many national, local, state level teams are there. But not everyone who is playing this sport, whichever sport it is, is not professional. So, there are people who are amateur, then there are people who are professional. And among the professionals, not everyone reaches to the team. And then among the teams, not everyone reaches to the national team. And in the national team, not everyone is able to maintain their position always. And even if you are able to maintain the position always, not necessarily that you will get the gold medal or the world cup or whatever the highest, like you know, the uh, accolade in that particular discipline is. And this is what Patanjali is saying. He says that everyone is making an effort, but some are making the effort with much greater intensity. And some people who are making that effort with much greater intensity, they are able to reach there sooner. It is not a question of what is right and wrong. It is a question of that who is reaching there first and who is reaching there after or later or last. So, it is a question about reaching there, but with durations. After this Patanjali talks about a very beautiful aspect that is almost the foundation of the one particular philosophical school of India called Sankhya. And this is a great idea that came in India and, and when you will hear you will really love it. Uh, but before talking about the verse I just want to point out that after mentioning the Samadhi. Now, for rest of the chapter, Patanjali would only talk about different approaches, different approaches and almost everything would start with va, va means or, that you can do this or 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 you can do it. So, he will give you multiple options, does not mean that one option is better than the other, it is that everyone's inner architecture is different and you can follow the path that is right for you. For some people everything has to be based on the logic, thought, it has to satisfy their intelligence, then only they can follow the path. Some people are emotionally guided. They, if their emotions are satisfied, they can follow that path. Some people need to do, they need karma, they need action, they need, okay, if I am able to do certain, don't give me the knowledge and wisdom, don't give me anything to actually about the bhakti, I need karma. So it is not about that, so many options would come. And they are just different kind of approaches depending upon different kind of personalities. 
So never think about these options that Patanjali is saying that this option is greater or this option is greater or this choice is better and this choice is better. They all are good choices. You need to figure out what kind of personality you have and depending upon that, follow the path. Follow the path which is right for you. So he says, Ishwar Pranidhanad Va. Va means or. Ishwar he will talk about. Many people have translated Ishwar as God or Lord or Almighty. Uh, no need to do that because Ishwar is Ishwar. And it's a by translating it, you will decrease the value of it. Who is Ishwar? He will define in the in the subsequent verses. So let us talk about Pranidhana. Pranidhana has been translated as devotion. You can translate it whichever manner you would deem right. Uh, devotion or unconditional surrender or consecration, whichever way you think that this is the right way to translate, that's not an issue of translating it. Important thing is to understand it. Pranidhan, it says Bhakti Vishesham Pranidhanam. Bhakti is devotion. We have got emotions. Let's start from the basics. We have got the emotions. When our emotions are directed towards a person or an object, if they are coupled with a desire to get something in return, they are like lust. They become slightly positive, where my concept of ego is slightly gone, am I able to sacrifice something for other, then it becomes prem, love. Although prem is translated as love, uh, I don't think that they are the same words, but let us say, for the sake of convenience, that it is like that. Higher to that is when even your concept of yourself is gone. Then comes the Shraddha, when, the, when you are ready to devote yourself for a unknown factor. And when even you are gone, it becomes Samarpan. These together, Shraddha, Vishwa, Samarpan is the path of Bhakti, where I am ready to give myself for a force that I have not seen, a divine consciousness, but I am ready to sacrifice myself fully for it. That is Bhakti. And even Bhakti Vishesh, in, in Hindi we call it Utkat Bhakti, is not the simple kind of Bhakti. Many people may have Bhakti. Patanjali says, Bhakti Vishesh is Pranidhan. When you are ready to sacrifice to such an extent that there is nothing left between you and a higher consciousness. In southern part of India, when you would go, you will find the temples of Lord Shiva called Kannappa. And the story behind that is very beautiful. Kann was a boy who was born in a tribal village. Father's name was Nag, mother's name was Tin, and then they were being born there. His birth name was different. Well, I'm using the word Kann at the moment. Birth name was different. And then one day he became the head of the village of the tribes. So his father asked him to go and that was the tradition of the village. Tradition of the village was to hunt and get the best kind of animal, lion or something else that you could bring to show that you are powerful. So he went to, to hunt the lion. 
got one line but in this pursuit he he was of course tired and everything shooting the line only with a bow and arrow requires too much of effort so he had two assistants and he asked one of the assistant he said is there a place nearby where i can drink the water he said yeah in the top there is a temple and this temple is the temple of lord shiva top of the mountain uh, and i came once when i saw that there is a man like you know a priest who was standing in front of the stone and saying something in a foreign language that foreign language was of course sanskrit so he had no idea what that temple is and what is happening inside the temple and this people from tribe so he said we have no idea but there was a temple of and they call it shiva lord shiva there is a temple of lord shiva if you want to see then go there and there is a river uh, next to the temple there you can drink the water so he went to get the water then he thought when we came this far let's go inside the temple also and moment he went inside this boy born in the tribe family was like the same that we talked about two or three lectures before called vide prakriti lai that they are the lateral entry they come at the last minute so they have paid back all their karma they came only for one karma so he was like that he was a rishi he was a sage who had reached to the last point but only one karma was left immediately all the memories were invoked and he the moment he saw the statue of lord shiva he ran to hug it he said how come you are like you know sitting alone here and you are so alone and he was crying and he said that lord how do you maintain yourself there is nothing like you know how there is no food for you there is no water for you you are sitting alone here i am and he said that i i will stay for you here i will be here and he said you need food so he immediately and he had nothing heart was pure but he had nothing no food so he gave him the uh, meat of the lion and then he went to get the water and he got and he, he had also the flowers in the hand but he got the flowers in the hand but where would he carry the water so he put all the water inside the mouth and then just did the rinse over the statue he said now get the water and gave it and then he went back and he was waiting outside to protect the lord so that in the night no animal should like you know uh, disturb the statue of the lord next day morning the priest came to do the puja and he saw meat was everywhere and somebody has done this thing so he started to cry he thought that somebody has disturbed the statue of the lord shiva lord shiva appeared in front of him he said the bhakti that i saw today that bhakti was so special he said it is beyond he said when he rinsed above me i felt like you know ganga is flowing over me he said when he offered the flowers to me i felt like ganesh lord shiva's son is playing with him he said when he threw like you know meat over me i felt this is the best food i could ever have he said if you want to see the bhakti then wait here so he asked the priest to uh, hide so priest was hiding he first time saw the lord he was full of like goosebumps he was getting and then came the karn so came the karn and the karn when he came by his leela lord shiva's one eye started to bleed and when he saw one eye bleeding he could not see what should i do to lord 
So, he immediately took one of his eye off from the arrow and put it, you know, in the statue of Lord Shiva. That, is that eye stopped to bleed, but the other one started to bleed. So, he took the another eye and started to put it inside the statue of Lord Shiva. Then Lord Shiva appeared and he said, don't do it. He said, you are my eye. In the language uh, that is was said, Kanda means I, Appa means I, Kanda means mine. So, he said, you are my eye. That is why the temple of Lord Shiva's are known in the south as Kandampa. And this comes from this very beautiful story. That bhakti where you are being tested non-stop is the bhakti that is called pranidhan. Because in the outer world there are only questions are there, there is only argument. That is why there are so many wars and strifes and struggles because we are trying to satisfy the other person with the help of a logic and logic can never satisfy. It can only bring an argument. Once logic can be wrong for another person, what is right for one person would be wrong for another person. What is what seems right for one person is definitely right wrong for the other person. What is right for rich people may be not so right for the poor. What is right for the poor may not be so much right for the like you know rich people. What is right for India may not be right for Pakistan. What is right for Pakistan may not be right for India. So, it, this kind of argument would continue. But inside there is only one language and that language is the Bhakti and, and Patanjali says Ishwar Pranidhanad Va also possible or do the devotion, but not the simple one, extreme kind, pranidhana, bhakti vishesham pranidhanam to Ishwar. But first to understand, he said va, and va because you would hear it many times. It is important to understand that why is one way to understand it is or, like this is another option, you can take it. But also, there is a beauty behind it. It is said or because it means that it cuts short all other options. If you just do this, there is also a possibility that you will get it. Forget about others, just do one. So, you can follow the path where you are following Shraddha, Virya, Smriti, Samadhi, Pragya, Purva, Kitaresham, or you can do the one before Abhyas and Vairagya, or just this. Ishwar Pranidhanad Va. Comes the question, what is Ishwar? Who is Ishwar? And I don't think there could be a better definition than what the Patanjali gave. Ishwar is more like an unnamed, not personal, everywhere kind of God that we use the term in Sankhya because for those we use the word where the Swarup is defined, where the form is defined, we use the word Bhagwan for them. But for that, where is no Swarup, where is it's everywhere, omnipotent, omniscient, that God or that power, that consciousness that is everywhere, we use the term Ishwar. And Patanjali says in the next verse, he says, Klesh Karma. Vipak Ashay Aparamrishtah Purush Vishesha Ishwara. Many terms he used. He says Klesh Karma Vipak Ashay Aparamrishtah. Aparamrishtah means not touched by. Purush Vishesh, not simple type of Purush, special type of Purush. That Purush is Ishwara. 
let us try to understand it. Klesh or Kleshas, he will talk about them in the second chapter. But they are the ones, they are the primary problems which are responsible to make us do karma. In their influence, we end up committing the karma. Agyan, avidya, smita, ragadvesh, abhinivesh, they are the one who indulge us in the karma, in their pravah, in their force, because of their storm, because of their influence, we end up doing karma. So, klesh leads to karma. Klesh is the seed giving birth to the karma. This karma, good or bad, we talked about it earlier, would bring us the result. The result that comes is called vipak. But this information is stored in the ashe. What kind of karma would come to me, where it would come, the Patanjali says in the second chapter, jati ayu bhog, three things it would decide. Jati means where I would be born, ayu means how long I would live, bhog means what kind of life I would have. These are three basic things, where I would be born, what kind of life I would have, how long I am supposed to live. You can modify and alter it depending upon your good deeds in this life, depending upon your good karma in this life. Because there comes a very beautiful story, stories of uh, uh, a, a city where one thing happened at the same time. And same day, two incidents had taken place. One, one person who was doing all the good deeds, deeds in his life, all the good karmas in his life, we call Shubh Karma. He was bitten by a wasp. And there was another man in the same city who was doing all the bad karmas, everything wrong, all the ashubha karma and he got a gold coin. So people said, what is happening? What kind of justice is this person who is doing bad getting gold coin? This person who is doing good is he like bitten by the wasp? So they went to complain to uh, Lord Shiva's minister. Lord Shiva's minister took the complaint to Lord Shiva that what is the reason? The Lord Shiva said that the person who was bitten by the wasp, he was supposed to die today. But because he did all the good deeds in his life, it became so small that it was only gone by a bite of the wasp. Something that could have crushed him, made him paralyzed, made him die, it went so minimum that only the bite of the wasp. And the person who got the gold coin, he said that person was supposed to be the king of the kingdom. But because he wasted all his good deeds, all, everything by doing the bad karma, bad karma, bad karma, it became so small, they only got the gold coin. So one person was supposed to get a billion, got hundred rupees. One person who was supposed to die, got a bite of the wasp. So he said it is like that. In Sanskrit we say, na bhuktam kshiyate karma, janma koti shatairapi, that karma never dies, it is always stored. How much you will get? It depends upon the ashaya. Ashaya is the only thing which has got all the information. So he says, klesh karma vipak ashaya, not touched by klesh, not touched by karma, not touched by the outcome, not touched by the storage. All these four, aparamrishta, 
he was never touched by them that's why he is purush vishesh ishwara why he used the term purush vishesh he used purush vishesh because this is a special type of entity that ishwara who was never touched by it there are mahapurush there are enlightened beings there are illumined beings who were at once time in the bondage who were once time in the klesh karma vipak ashay but one day they break the chain and they go buddha mahavir gurudev vivekananda these are the people who were like at some point in time were in the chains of the karma but then they broke it and they went they are mahapurush but ishwar is purush vishesh because he was never there was not a single point in time when he was ever touched by klesh karma vipak and ashay why because he was the one who created it they say in the upanishad eko devah sarvabhuteshu guna sarvavyapi sarvabhutantaratma eko deva so only one consciousness sarvabhuteshu guna inside everyone sarvavyapi it's everywhere sarvabhutantaratma it is inside everyone outside everyone karma adhyaksha he is the president of the karma he created it he transcended it he the karma cannot touch it sarvabhutadivasa he is the foundation of every being everything whether you can see or not see sakshi cheto kevalo nirgunascha he is witness to everything he does not take part cheto he is always aware he can never die he can never sleep kevalo he is the only one nirguno prakriti's gunas cannot touch it because he is beyond it that's why in the gita bhagwan shri krishna is saying maya dakshina maya dakshina prakriti suyate sacharacharam that i am the president of prakriti i am beyond it suyate sacharacharam whatever you can see whatever you cannot see everything is under me so patanjali is saying klesha leading to karma karma leading to vipak vipak leading to ashay they can never touch this special purush calls the ishwar because he was beyond it there was like you know no time when he could be touched by it he has been beyond it so klesh karma vipakashay aparamrishta not touched by have no relation with them purush vishesh ishwara and then he goes further he says tatra niratishayam sarvagya bijam tatra means in him niratishay means end point atishay means extreme so he is the end point it's the ultimate sarvagya means who knows everything omniscient bijam means seed so what patanjali is saying that in him the seed of all possible knowledge they have reached to the all possible end last possibility last potential you cannot transcend it you cannot go beyond that is why the word parama like we use the word parameshwar that it's the end there is nothing beyond it there cannot be anything beyond it it is the last thing that is possible so everything that was ever possible to be known and would ever be known whatever the knowledge whatever the discipline whatever would come out always comes through the same source of the knowledge he is beyond everything he is everything he is height of everything he is the last possible frontier that's where the like you know the challenge for us comes because we can never fathom that 
the reason we cannot fathom it because we are using our mind to understand it and mind has got the limit it can never think about the thing that is beyond the limitation of the mind to think because thinking has got a limitation it is like we are inside it then how can we get a comprehensive picture we cannot get a comprehensive picture because we are also sitting in the photograph so we cannot take a picture unless we come out of the photograph and look at the photograph so to transcend one need to be one with the unified consciousness universal consciousness eternal consciousness timeless absolute consciousness he says tatra niratishayam sarvagya bijam in him there is the end point of the knowledge purvesham api guru kalenan avachhedat he says purvesh the ones before api also guru all the teachers masters gurus kalenan avachhedat kal means time avachhedat means not limited by because of what patanjali is saying because of not being limited by the time he is the guru of the gurus all the gurus that came before all the ones that would come after he is always beyond them people try to confuse they think okay maybe it would end there maybe the like you know so that's why he says patanjali says don't ask stupid questions that where is he who is he who taught him and who was before he said no no don't ask these kind of questions because he would always be beyond wherever you take the podium he would always be beyond because he was beyond the time beyond the knowledge beyond the time beyond the karma all three possibilities he has exceeded them he said he is beyond the karma cannot touch it he is beyond the knowledge gyan cannot reach it he is beyond the time so a time place person all three things he has transcended he says he is beyond everything because even the gods gods are within the realm of the prakriti that's why they also have to pay back the karma they also have to pay back the karma that is that is committed by them they even have to come the entire concept of the avatar in the indian wisdom tradition is such a beautiful uh, hallmark in that kind of concept it says like you know the gods are coming gods are coming because they also have to pay back their karma the story comes like you know that lord shiva had to fight with a daitya with a demon called jalandhar and jalandhar's wife had done so many good punya called vrinda that they he could not defeat him because of the wife's good deeds so lord vishnu had to help but because he helped in a not so good deed he had to take the karma what happened everyone had to pay the karma lord vishnu had to pay back the karma in this in the manner that when he came as the lord ram he could never spend a quality time with his loved and dear ones when he was 6 years old vasishth and vishramit took him to the forest the day he returned with the marriage few days later he was sent to the exile in the exile his wife ma sita had to be taken away she was kidnapped then he was entered into the fight and the moment he brought uh, sita back few days later he had to send her again and first time he saw his children love and kush died can never spend could never spend the time with the family and then ma sita uh, she had to pay back the karma of the vrinda so in spite of being innocent innocuous 
and with not doing any bad deeds, she had to take back the karma of the humiliation of the people. At the time, like you know, the when she returned back to Ayodhya, people started to suspect her character and all this because she had to take the karma. Lord Shiva had to pay back the karma. Lord Shiva had to pay back the karma by becoming associate of Lord Ram and forgetting his his powers in the form of Hanuman. And Vrinda, who did nothing wrong but had to like you know take that humiliation, her good deeds were returned back to her. Lord Vishnu had to marry her, and Vrinda one was created. So Vrinda one was created in the memory of Vrinda. So even gods have to pay back the karma. But this Ishwar, Patanjali says, is beyond. No karma can reach them. He is everywhere. There comes a very beautiful story in the Kenopanishad. Kenopanishad, the story comes that gods were like, you know, very happy and then sitting there because they had just defeated the demons. And suddenly a big power full of light and fire and, and like, you know, appeared there. So gods thought, who is this? Seems more powerful than us. So Indra went first, or Vayu went first to check and Vayu said, I can, the air, the god of air said that I can throw away anything because of my, like, you know, smallest intervention. Storms can uh, take birth, torpedoes can come, twisters can come, hurricanes can come. That power said, put a small grass leaf on the floor. He said, if you could do that, then move this. And with all his power, why you, God, could not move that grass leaf? Then came the fire and he said, I can burn everything down. That power again said the same thing that burn this grass leaf down, could not do that. Out of the humiliation, gods ran to feminine power, Shakti, and said to Adi Shakti that, who is that power? And Adi Shakti said, he is Ishwar. He is beyond all of you. He is the one who gave birth to you. You are getting power because of him. You are from him. He is your beginning, he is your end, and he is your middle. That comes in the Kenopanishad. So, Patanjali says that to devote yourself and unconditional surrender to that Ishwara also helps one to reach to Samadhi. Ishwara Pranidhanad Va also or or by devoting yourself to Ishwar. Who is Ishwar? He says, Klesh Karma Vipakashaya Apparamrishtaha Purush Vishesh Ishwara. One who is never touched by Klesh Karma Vipak or Ashaya. And a special type of Purush. Because others have to take birth, end up in this cycle and then they have to free themselves. But this one was never chained. He was never in any kind of bond. He was beyond all kinds of the reach of karma. Tatra niratishayam sarvagyabijam. He is the height of possible wisdom. And he is the gurus of the gurus. Purveshamapi guru kale nana vachchedat. He is not limited by time. So this question is meaningless for him that who was taught by him, 
or he is guru of whose guru? He is gurus of the gurus. He is the beginning. So no one can reach him by only imagining about him. You have to be one with unified, universal, eternal consciousness. So that's where today's discussion ends and then would come other sub-dimensions of Patanjali's intervention tomorrow. So good luck to everyone and, and thanks for so patiently listening. Uh, we will end by reciting the Shanti part. Om Deo Shanti Rantaharikshagvam Shanti He Prethave Shanti Rapah Shanti Roshadhaya Shanti Vanaspataya Shantir Vishwe Devaha Shantir Brahma Shante Sarvagvam Shante Shante Reva Shante Sama Shante Om Shante 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 Sarvarishta Sushantira Bhavatu Hamare YouTube channel Shanti Kunjak video Gayatri Parivar ko subscribe karein even bell icon zarur dabayein taaki Gayatri Parivar ki vibhinn gatividhiyon ki jankari aapko milti rahe.